Today we are gonna talk about what I deem one of the most boring concepts in all of sports physiology and rehab, yet the fact that I think it's boring doesn't mean a lot because it comes up as probably the most frequently asked question in my clinic and when I am on the road doing lectures, when I am in the hospital doing lectures, it, it be, it's always one of those factors. It is when to use heat versus when to use ice. Obviously, other people are interested in my ideas on this, so today's episode, we'll get into it. And rather than just say, here's why we use ice, here's why we use heat, because everyone seems to have this like, super strong tied in idea of when it is best to use it. I'm going to give you the whys, how I came up with my preference and why I think it's important and why it seems to work faster than what the standard of care is out there. So dive in a little bit. I'll try not to make this worse than it needs to be, but I think it's obviously something that people have strong ideas about. It's something I think that people are constantly doing wrong. And I think this idea of, well, it feels good, just needs to get looked at a little bit differently. So tie in today, let's get a few ideas on the reasonings and the rationale behind why and when to use ice versus heat and why what I learned in school is really, really outdated. Oh, the age old question of when to use heat versus when to use ice. Man, even my friends involved with physical therapy, the rehab world, especially athletic trainers, we all seem to have these ideas and tend to use ice and heat with like these set strategies. It seems like there's no thinking involved. And if there's anything that I'm gonna dive into in season three is just this idea of there has to be a better flow chart. And I'm always gonna come back to these ideas of when you are making decisions, rather than relying on what you had to answer as a test question when you were going through college or what the standard treatment is, it's always better to look at everyone individually. It's this idea of we have to be detectives first. We have to look for clues. And part of looking for clues is the idea of a flow chart. We're going to apply X as a therapy. Did it work? Yes, no, or maybe. Did it change anything? Did it make it better? Did it make it worse? Did it change what area you're feeling at that? So that you can constantly be upgrading your treatment plan and make better decisions. I know that as professionals, part of the insurance requirements and part of the ideas of a better practice is making these treatment plans. The trouble I have with it is that we are, are often just stuck sticking with our guns. Oh man, I said three months ago I was gonna do this treatment plan, I'm gonna stick with it. It's a terrible idea. And one of my favorite things is when I present at the especially at the universities with young athletic training students, I always tell them, you have to make a treatment plan and a decision, but I would expect to see changes nearly instantly and at the longest, slowest results, like over four sessions. So if I'm gonna see somebody on a Monday, I would expect by Friday, they at least have the ability to say, yes, I feel like I'm getting better, or I feel like I'm getting worse, or there is no change. And then based on that information, you have to make a better decision. 
So before I get into here's when you, when you use ice and here's when you use heat, take that as my backdrop. Make better decisions. If you have this issue that has been going on in your own body and every single night you take a hot bath and yet you just don't seem to be making any changes, let that be information you can use. What if it's the hot bath that despite feeling very good and letting you relax and letting you sleep is an inflammatory response that your brain is looking at the wrong way and that's why you're not making changes. That's why you're not getting better. That's where these decisions came to be made. So I want that to, before we even get into the debate, I want that to be it. Because when I see people take a strong stance and say, oh my God, the research on ice is that it's just not doing what we thought it's doing. It's not penetrating deep. It's not going into it. This is why we use heat. That's just absurd. That is, that's no decision making. That's just somebody sticking to their guns. And that's what I see from, honestly, like two or three of the smartest people I've ever met they have this giant flaw in their application or what I view as a flaw. I mean, maybe they are bat 100% and every single one of their clients is instantly better. But I do think in my practical life, the fact that so many of my you know, injuries that I'm seeing, if the standard of care for like a hot low back or a disc strain is six to eight weeks and I'm consistently having people better in a week, there must be something that I'm doing better than other people. And it's probably not some magic treatment protocol or the fact that I've been blessed by the gods and have energy flowing out of my fingers. It's none of that crap. It's the fact that I'm doing a couple different things differently. And typically, guys, it's that I'm using ice. So we've talked about in our concepts episode, which is season three, episode two, these concepts of when things are inflamed versus when they're not. And especially we talked about tight muscles. And I want you to recall that tight muscles, it's not 1990s anymore. It's not this idea of, oh, I've got tight muscles. I need to get them to relax. I need to loosen them up. I need to warm them up. That's old thinking. The new way of thinking is there are four or five reasons why you would have a tight muscle. Let's figure out which version they have so that we can apply the proper principle. And almost always, you're going to get a tight muscle as a protection splint or a protection spasm or even just think of it as protection if you've got an inflammatory issue going on. So we're going to take the classic injury like an ankle sprain. I don't think very many people you know, wouldn't ice this initially. Although I'll tell you, it, based on the literature and the science, it's changing a lot. There's a lot of people that'll throw a hot pack on a, a sprained ankle that is swollen up like a balloon. And I just think it's absurd. It's, it's literally decades of athletic trainers and sports professionals understanding that if we get the inflammation away initially, the healing is going to be much faster. So that's the concept of rice. My trouble is that since the middle 1980s and 1990s, people are using rice for everything. And that's the classic, like our high school coaches told us, use ice for the first 48 hours and then switch back and forth between ice and heat for a couple of days and then switch over to heat. It's absurd. That means there is no 
there is none of that decision-making going on. We're just following a time pattern and injuries in different people don't always respond the same way, nor different body parts. So that information is dead and gone. Please don't use that services anymore. There was a couple of huge flaws with that, but the one main flaw being is, like I said, everyone responds different. The second flaw being, nobody did the ice in the first place anyway, man. They just didn't do it. It's, it's very much like the idea of why I hate warmups. Nobody does a warm-up properly. It's always half-assed. Well, putting ice on it the first 48 hours were half-assed, and no one was getting the results they were looking for. Here's my, what I present at the university, and especially if I get hostile doctors and nurses, which doesn't happen very often anymore, but still you'll sometimes get some old-school people that are like, oh, he's a chiropractor. He doesn't know anything. That's not real medical school. Here's the way I present it. If something is inflamed, we have to get rid of the inflammation. So... Ice is always going to be your better decision, right? If I put heat into a lower back, okay, let's just switch it. Let me back up first stage. You guys understand the ankle thing. Let's take the low back thing. When you have a disc strain, which is basically the sprained ankle of the lower back, I'm not talking about a huge herniation that needs surgery. I'm talking about a strain in the fibers. You're gonna get local inflammation to the area. Because you have inflammation in the area, your brain will recognize that and say, oh damn, there's a threat to the lower back. That's the new sports terminology on how we kind of look at how different body parts respond. It's threat. So now there's a threat to the lower back. The brain doesn't understand exactly what's going on yet, only that there's a threat. And the way it protects that area is it locks the muscles down on both sides. So you get this incredible muscle spasm that happens. Every one of us has had this. I mean, this is 100% for people on the planet. You get these tremendous back spasms. It hurts to get out of bed. You can't move around. For those muscles to stay tight like that takes a huge amount of blood. So you already have inflammation from the injury. Now you've got this extra blood in the area because the muscles have to stay saturated. And the brain basically is going to perceive that inflammation or that extra blood in the area is more inflammation. So it, it's constantly getting the signal, oh my God, it's still wrong. There's still something bad. We got to keep it locked down. Sometimes it'll even ratchet it up tighter. If you use heat and massage and stretch to that area, it brings more blood to the area. It feels fantastic. More blood to the area is always going to have this therapeutic feeling of it feels good. Right, a massage on the lower back. You guys that have been to massage service with the hot low back, you know there's that point where you tell the massage service, oh my God, this is the best I have felt for the last four or five days. But here's where the trouble occurs. You have sabotaged your timeline and your ability to get better because more blood comes to the area. The brain perceives it as an additional or a continuation of that threat and it continues to lock the muscles down very tight. Ask anyone that's got a massage on a hot low back and they can't get up out of the massage table after the person leaves. They're stuck there or it's severely painful when they get up. It's not that the massage therapist has done anything to make the disc worse. It's just the fact they're using heat. And I see this in low back injuries in my athletic trainers and my athletes all the time. Low back spasms, we're going to stretch it out, we're going to use heat, we're going to lay them down. And now it is three months later and this athlete just hasn't got any better. So then they send them over to the chiropractor. We, we're not getting anywhere, we haven't got results, you know, I can't understand what's going on, maybe it's just a joint issue. 
that's the old days of, of treatment, guys. That's the, that's the idea of, you know, physical therapists work on muscles, chiropractors work on bones, and athletic trainers work on injuries, and it's just not that way anymore. I mean, I, I hope none of you guys that are actually interested in this podcast think like that. If you're sending someone to a chiropractor because you think it's only a joint issue, that guy's so far outdated, that's the wrong guy for your sports medicine team. It's just the wrong thing. When those guys come to my office, my first thought is, you're an athlete, you're young, you're healthy, you're strong, you're not fat. I never think, oh my God, this is more severe, you've had it for three months. I think you're doing something wrong. And almost always the something wrong that you're doing is you're using heat when you should be using ice, and then the other big one is we use stretch. People are using stretch when they should be using contraction. But let, we'll stick with the heat and ice on this one. We'll get into the contraction, decontraction, or just look at any of the articles I've done in the lower back. My God, you're going to get it. But this is how the decision making is made for me. I don't have the luxury of being an athletic trainer where I got an athlete that will come to me every day for three months. I basically have a week, and if I can't give you remarkable results in a week, you're going to go somewhere else because you're paying for it, and nobody likes paying for not getting results. So here's my thing. You have to get rid of the inflammation. It has to be ice on a hot lower back. It has to be, and like Dr. Salazar says in my office, the people at ice get better faster than the people that don't. It's that simple. The argument I think that's happening right now with the literature is research has been done on how deep does the ice penetrate. So that's that kind of came up this last summer. Are you telling me, Doc, that when you put ice on a hot lower back, that's penetrating an inch deep in one of these NFL athletes and is actually affecting the disc? I mean, guys, you get this, it's not, right? When you put ice on the area, it's probably, it's probably affecting, what, a millimeter? maybe a little bit more, that's not what's happening. The idea is going back to the body mapping idea. You have just given your brain input on a much larger area. If the area of pain and injury is the size of a quarter and you put an ice pack the size of a book on the back, the brain gets this giant information. It starts paying attention to a larger map and can basically get a better idea of what's happening in there and I think the sensation on the skin is a much bigger result than, than actually the ice itself. This is why things like Biofreeze, Bengay, you know, skin irritants that you put on there, why they also have a calming effect on muscle spasm. I don't think there's any medication getting magically deep into the muscles letting them relax. Your brain's just getting a better picture of it, right? This is also how electric stim works. We talked about this in the last episode. I don't think the electric stim is actually getting there and moving muscles around. It's just creating a bigger map of the area. I think this is the way most of the kinesiology tape works. And I'm not telling you this stuff doesn't work. I'm just telling you it works for a different reason. So you have an ice pack on there. So then the argument always comes up, well, if an ice pack is the size of a book, what's the difference with using a hot pack that would feel better and is also the size of a book? Well, there's the difference. When you use heat, more blood comes to the area. You have, in essence, increased the threat. So the idea with ice is create the skin map idea so you get a better picture without creating more inflammation to the area. 
that's why I think ice works so well. Now, there, there's some other factors. I think you do get some local anti-inflammatory that probably transfers in because I've just seen like, this is two decades of me doing it and Dr. Salazar is dead on right. People that ice get better faster than people that don't. I don't have the research to back this because I'm not gonna run a six week survey on my low back people because I don't see people for six weeks. Like I said, I gotta get them fixed in a week. So the people at ice get better. The people that don't, just don't, just don't. All right, so let's continue on on this, on this conversation. The next thing when I present that idea in the hospital is I always have someone raise their hand and say, well, how do you know if they're inflamed? Well, first of all, if there's any sort of swelling, that's pretty obvious. That'll happen in the ankle, but that's not gonna happen on a rib. That's not gonna happen on a lower back. That's very rarely gonna happen on a shoulder unless there's a, a direct like injury, like a football player or like an auto accident. You're just not gonna get inflammation on those areas. One of the easiest ways for me to tell if someone's inflamed is take an Advil or leave, right? So if you take an Advil or leave and you feel a difference, that's different than a Tylenol. Those drugs have different interactions, right? So a Tylenol basically is affecting your brain, so you just don't feel pain the same way. But an Advil or a Leave or, or like the Voltaren, the rub-on cream, those are three of the most typical anti-inflammatories. They don't have drugs in their product to help with pain. They have drugs that help with inflammation. If you feel a difference when you take these things, well, now you've, you've run the check. You're a detective. An anti-inflammatory helped. This person is most likely inflamed. It's unbelievable to me when I get patients that come from urgent care that have referrals from these doctors that know me and they have been given the diagnosis of back spasms. They have been given a steroid shot, which is an anti-inflammatory. They've been told to take 800 milligrams of ibuprofen, which is an anti-inflammatory. And then they've been told, go to the chiropractor, get a massage and use your hot tub. Those are counter-indicated they're, they're, they're counter from each other. It's not like you're gonna make yourself worse or make the injury worse, but they're, they're counterproductive. They're doing the opposite of each other. Taking four Advils and then turn on your car seat heaters or sit in the hot tub is a terrible idea, man. You're not doing a similar treatment, you're doing different things. And that again takes us back to one of the episodes I did years ago about just this idea of more. You know, I think that's where we really are in society right now is it's a bunch of guys my age that are kind of, you know, the new players in the game and they're CrossFit type people, they're triathlete type people, they're marathoners, they just want to do more. It's the same idea when I see people put counterproductive treatment plans together. Oh, I'm going to use cups and I'm going to use the instrument tools. I'm going to use... Uh, compression sleeves on my shin splints, but I'm also gonna use rock tape. Like these are dumb ideas. They're, they're opposites in a way of each other. So that's my thing. The other way I do it, like when I teach, I'm like, look, if an Advil or leave helps, the people are inflamed. That might go on until the injury goes away. That could be for months for an athlete, but you better be treating it like ice. The other way is I tell people like, you've tried heat, right? When you sit in a hot shower and you let that heat blast on your back or you use your car seat heaters, it feels better. Yes, patient always nods at me, yes. How does it feel about 20 minutes later? Oh, the pain comes back. Or more often I'll hear it comes back and it's worse. So then I feel like I need to use more heat. I need to get in the shower more. No, no, it's not that you need to do more of the wrong thing. The thing that you did had poor results. Let's make a better decision. 
And guys, as much as I like to do these podcasts and I love it and I think sometimes people will listen to me and they're like, oh my gosh, that guy's smart. I am not a very smart person. What happened is I ran a business where people paid me. So if I wasn't giving them results, they would go somewhere else. When I did the stuff I learned in school, use heat and the patient got worse, I, I, the one thing I had going for me is I wasn't stuck on my treatment plan. When a patient came back to me and said, I feel worse, I always trusted the patient knew their body better than I did. So then I started thinking, well, what did I do that could have made them worse? Let's try the exact opposite. This is where the majority of the ideas of I use ice instead of heat. I use, construct, I use contractions instead of stretch. That's where these ideas came from. Remember, I'm from the era of like, we're going to stretch out an IT band injury for like six months and hope it gets better, right? I'm from the era of when you have adhesive capsulitis or frozen shoulder, that's typically a three month to one year process. That's ridiculous. The only reason those things aren't working or have such a slow result is because people are doing dumb stuff and doing the wrong stuff. So it just became really easy for me to be like, let's just try something different and see if it works. That's my whole argument with ice versus heat, guys. Basically, if you're wanting easy to understand ideas, I'll get into it. Anything spinal, like a disc issue, a crick in the neck, when you take a deep breath and it feels like a rib's out of place and a knife is stabbing you on there, my rule of thumb is you should always use ice on these things, always. The muscle spasm that you get along the spine is nearly 99% protective in what it's doing. You have to get the threat out of there. When you use ice and you do things to actively get rid of the inflammation, the threat disappears and now the body doesn't have to spasm up as a protection. That's when you use ice. The stuff that I would use heat for is you know, I just got done playing a basketball game and I'm a little stiff and sore. I just kind of want to relax a little bit or I want to have some wine with my wife and I want to get in a hot tub and just relax. That's fine. But when you have an injury and it's not responding and you test it with anti-inflammatories, it's almost always an ice overheat thing. And most of the things in my office, unless you just kind of come in for a general tune-up, which is where I, you know, I like to, let's get real. A lot of my stuff that I do in my office is also performance-based. I mean, I do a lot of injury stuff, but that's not even my favorite thing to work on. My favorite thing is a basketball player that comes in my clinic and says, I have a game in three hours. I want to make sure I'm at the top of my game. Dude, I feel great. Make me 10% better. I want to tear it up tonight. Then I'm using heat almost all the time. When I got someone that comes in and says, I just got done with a basketball game, I couldn't get out of bed in the morning, or my ankle's not moving the way it should, or my shoulder seems creaky and all my shots are going to the left of the rim, we're almost always ice in my clinic, almost fully ice. And it's still where I see the biggest trouble or the really the only thing that I really see as a problem with my, um, my athletes coming from the university. I just feel like, like they're not looking for the right clues. Think of, uh, let's just take one more and then I'll let you guys go because I know this is dragging on way longer, but it's, it's crazy, man. This, is, this is topic always comes up. I have yet to do a lecture and not be asked at the end of the lecture, when do I use heat and when do I use ice? You know that if you've got an elbow issue like an epicondylitis or an epicondylosis or let's say like a bursa issue in the hip or even like a meniscus strain in the knee, 
one of the common treatments, especially in the upper level of athletics, is to get a cortisone injection in there. Now, cortisone is an anti-inflammatory. We can all agree on that. So if I get an injection in my hip or in my elbow and that injection works, you are inflamed. Don't look at it as like the injection is the treatment or the therapy. I look at it much differently. That injection, that's giving me and it's giving you a clue as to what's going on, right? You're taking an anti-inflammatory and you're putting directly on a spot. If you get better, dude, it's inflamed. I mean, that's as easy as it is. And that's, that's a crazy one to me when I hear people in my clinic, and this is a daily occurrence. Hey, I got a cortisone injection in my hip, but it only worked for a day or two. Well, that's because you were doing the opposite of what that injection did. You know, when they tell me, well, the doctor will only do this three or four times, I'm like, you just were given the best clue. Cortisone helped your hip. Why in the world are you sitting in your jacuzzi every night? Like you need to treat that thing like an inflammation first because that idea of threat and that idea of lockdown, that's happening when you're inflamed. That is the first primary step to take in the right direction towards your treatment plan. Guys, I hope this helped cleared it up a lot, right? The idea of threat, the idea of testing it, the idea of using these clues that you're given and making better decisions based on that should be very eye-opening for a lot of you because it's, I'm telling you, I basically would not have a job as a, a therapist and practitioner if people just did the right thing. Nearly every time I see someone in my office, they either don't have a clue, they haven't given the right advice, or they just are completely ignoring the clues that are obvious in front of them. Hope that helps clear it up, guys. I think it's a interesting topic for a lot of people. I see all kinds of opinions. I mean, you put this stuff out on Google and you're gonna get everything. And even if you look at the headline of my, of my um, SportsDocDC website, you'll see it. This, the information's out of there. I even teach my kids this now, my own kids. Information is everywhere. Let's no longer be seeking out information. Let's be seeking out intel. Let's be looking for intelligence taking information, having something actionable. And that's the idea of when to use heat or ice. I want to give you the whys so you can make this actionable. Hope this helps, guys. Look forward to seeing you next week.